that's what I'm looking for. So where's the hole that hasn't been touched in 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's pretty nasty. Usually it's like, you know, <laughs> thick and timbery mm-hmm. and shit like that. Or it's like oh, over a mountain or it's across the river. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's through the woods. Maybe it's by grandma's house. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> you walked right into that one. Uh. <laughs> What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rich. And if you're new here, this podcast feed is a place for all of the elk hunting interviews that I've done over the last six or seven years. Some are Wapiti Wednesdays, some are from my original podcast. But I wanted to compile the largest collection of elk hunting knowledge and interviews ever put together, which is pretty cool. And I would love your guys' help getting it out there to the world. So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, this is a new feed. So go leave it a five-star review and maybe tell a friend about it. But thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy this elk hunting podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to Wapiti Wednesday. I almost said Mealy Monday. Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday. Uh, This is our second time doing our five tips breakdown, or I guess the Jaden and Cody breakdown. What, What do we call it? I like five tips breakdown. Um, if anyone else has suggestions, I'm open, yeah, but podcast names, five tips breakdown for now. So today we're going to be discussing rifle elk season, uh, and that whole thing. So rifle elk hunting in general, I know Montana season's getting ready to kick off this weekend. And I know a lot of people that still have, right. Or still have tags and will be rifle hunting. Uh, so we're going to do our best to kind of break down what we think are the five best tips for rifle hunting season. Um, we're going to do a quick versus debate and then we're going to actually, this segment's going to be added from Monday. So we're going to break down the plan. So I'm just going to kind of go through just an overarching plan of attack. Uh, and then we're going to dive into some listener questions. Sound good, Jaden? Sounds like a plan. Did I miss anything? Don't nope. think so. Alrighty, the first tip of the day, uh, and this is a good one, and this is kind of counterintuitive for a lot of uh, bow hunters. So most bow hunters try to get away from people, get away from people. Uh, fun fact: that's actually impossible when you're rifle hunting. So if you can't get away from people, the next best thing is to utilize that pressure. Uh, and uh, this tip kind of came from my buddy James Nash, and I asked him what his biggest tip was, and, and I totally agree with this one, but he said, uh, basically hunting a pass or a choke point that leads to the North country. And what's going to happen is opening day. This is like really crucial for opening day. You're going to utilize that pressure of bulls getting pushed. And a lot of times that hunting pressure can kind of kick off the migration or just kick things into gear. So you're looking for those choke points or those passes where elk are going to come funneling down as soon as they get pressure or they may just be funneling down anyway so if you can figure out you know those passes that lead to big open country or big north country uh, i know some of the places i've hunted in the past like there's pretty substantial rock ridges that kind of lead down into one little saddle and those can be like awesome choke points to just set up on super boring not the funnest time in the world but if you're trying to kill elk, pretty effective. Yeah. In that case, would you basically just um, set up shop for the day or set up shop for the morning? What What's your thought process? Uh, we're going to get into that in the plan a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, there's, this is going to, you're going to steal some from the plan, but I, I, 
basically would look at it as like, if I didn't have like, here's the bull I'm going to be mm-hmm. on at opening light, uh, maybe I get to Colorado the night before season, or I get to wherever I'm going the night before season. And I'm like, man, this is a pretty good option. I might sit on this like choke point, say for the first half a day. That makes sense. If you're using this pressure though, um, do you still, and do you still want to go a mile or two off the road? Like, are you, are you looking at like, okay, where can I get into, um, where can I get into some secluded air, some secluded area where not factored, not factored. I mean, not really. Like I'm obviously like, if there's a choke point next to the road, I don't know that that's the best point. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like there's plenty of old timers that shot bulls off the road, just being in the right spot at the right time. And, you know, rifle season kicks off. And this is especially true with like shorter rifle season. Take, uh, I would say Oregon, for example, where it's like mm-hmm. everybody's hunting the same week where, you know, Montana's five weeks. So it kind of gets divided out opening day, hitting a choke point in Montana probably not ideal unless you know hey this spot always gets hit so i like remoteness does not mm-hmm. necessarily play into the factor it's not like oh this is a remote choke point if anything you're like almost non-remote choke points because i'm i'm actually looking more for like where are there a pile of elk they're gonna get pushed to a different area and can i f- be in that spot yeah and this usually stems from like people who know their area you're like oh man the elk always go through there when they start shooting on, you know, opening morning, you know, old timers always had those mm-hmm. stories like, Oh, grandpa sits at this spot every yeah. year on opening day. Yeah. You know, For us, it was Earl's thicket. Earl's go, thicket. Go sit on the edge of Earl's thicket. They'll come through. Rifle hunting is like such a different animal from bow hunting. Uh-huh. And I think it's probably why it gets a bad name because like Earl's thicket, like, oh, you know, yeah. just like pushes and shit like that. I, I don't, I don't recommend pushes, but we'll get, dive into that. So that's my number one or first tip. Uh, and these are not ranked in any specific order. They're just what I wrote on the board. Yeah. So use using pressure, utilizing pressure, utilizing hunting pressure, uh, you know, in areas where that's a big thing. And I think, you know, you can look at a map easily and say, okay, I guarantee there's going to be a bunch of hunters here. Mm-hmm. You know, where are those out going to go? When they start shooting, maybe yep. it's a canyon. Maybe it's the head of a canyon that drops in. Like these elk always go into this canyon to hide. Like be at the head of that canyon somewhere. So what if um what if you are just averse to being around other hunters, for instance, and you well, just I like wouldn't pick up rifle hunting if that's the case. Okay, <laughs> step one: don't go <laughs> rifle hunting. So, but but if you're like, I want to go into the Frank Church where um. I don't know their season dates, but just as an example, the snow is not going to keep you out of there. Um, okay, just so I, I get where you're going on this. Let's get into this. Maybe this is the debate, like remote versus... God, we keep talking about this. Some Dude, some units you can't get away. Like, okay, so... So if you're in a big... If you're in a big... This is going to boil down to like one... Unit. This is going to boil down to 201 versus 301, though. That's fine. Uh, well, what I'm saying is like, if you're going out to kill any elk with a rifle, then it's a little bit different than like, let's just say like my strategy would probably be different. Very few times. If I was looking for a, the biggest bull in the unit, am I going to go sit an opening unless I really knew that opening or like knew something insider information. And knew that bull was there. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Rarely. But like for the most part, I'm I'm going to look for like the nooks and crannies bull, things like that. Like I'm looking for the, I'm looking for the elk that's away from the elk. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But this is like if you're trying to go out and fill your tag, use that pressure because that's where the majority of the elk will get pushed through yeah. 
this particular pinch point or this particular sure. saddle. And that's what you keep talking about. Yeah, no. And I, I think what we're talking like, okay, I'm just trying to fill an elk tag. Mm-hmm. I should specify that's one tip for just filling an elk tag. Or like if I went to Colorado, let's, let's take the hunt James's on right now. Say I went to a new state, new unit, don't know anything. I'm not going there. Like I'm going to find the biggest bull. Right. Like I'm going there to kill a mature six point. Right. Like I'm still, that's a, still not a bad strategy to go kill a mature six point. Mm-hmm. Um, now if I'm like, I drew a coveted Oregon tag that changes my strategy slightly mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm trying to find the remote areas. And so one of the yeah. things that we're only on tip one right now. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that like I always say when we're talking about archery elk hunting is, you know, follow the herd bull, the rest of the bulls are following him too. And I'm like, you know, if you want to kill any bull, try to hunt the biggest find the bull herd because yeah. yeah, because they're all in the same spot. This is counterintuitive that because I'm, it's the opposite now. Mm-hmm. Now it's rifle season. You have to understand the progression of what's happened. Like we went through the rut, big bulls were off by themselves and raghorns were kind of by themselves. The herd was, you know, doing its thing. And then they all kind of met up in rutting grounds. And now it's kind of started to push back. Now you have some of the younger bulls still with the herd. Herds are starting to come together, like bigger things. But the big bulls, they're going to go off by themselves. And they're going to go in super remote. So if I am if I go to an area and I want to kill a giant, I'm not looking for the herd. I'm going away from it. In fact, if I get into an area and I'm like, there's a herd of 100 elk in here. And I'm seeing you know, smaller fives and sixes kind of scattered across the mountain. I need, I'm close, but I need to go deeper or more remote or more secluded mm-hmm. because like, I don't think that the biggest bull is going to be around that herd. If mm-hmm. I'm seeing cows and spikes, probably not where the big ones are. So it's like kind of counterintuitive, but that's the difference between rifle season and bow season, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so when I say using pressure, this is more based around just killing. Two one. Your 201, like, I'm just trying to fill the freezer. You know, there's still an opportunity to get six point, but it's probably not, like, that gnarly, what'd you call it last week on Monday? The toad or... The troll. The troll. <laughs> the troll buck. So, the troll bull, probably not, you know, a good tactic to utilize pressure. Gotcha. Okay, so let's go on to tip two. <laughs> so, tip two, and I think this could work both ways. Um, and this is going to get your remote versus non-remote, but... Uh, burns, burns in broken country. Like burns are still really good. One of the things that I think gets underrated is, you know, finding the right density of burn. And I've talked about this in another podcast, but when you find those burns that are thick enough that those elk feel like they're hidden. So when you're standing in a burn and you can only see a hundred yards, cause there's so many poles, you know, so many dead trees, mm-hmm. it does feel like you're hidden, but from a the mountain or from the ridge across the way, you can see down in there, right? Cause you're looking through the top. So there's no, no vegetation on the trees. I don't know if this is making sense in a podcast, but there's no vegetation on the trees you can see. And so I really like rifle season. I'm looking for burns, but not just big wide open burns because elk tend to not hit those. Um, they're not feeding on grasses. And so they're really not feeding much in them. I'm looking for broken burns that have timber pockets in them still rocky stuff that didn't burn like the edges of burns that are kind of like half burnt half not burnt Mm -hmm. um things like that and so like i really like those areas just because i can see a lot and we're going to get into the debate of seeing a lot versus nooks and crannies but i like the burns that are you know kind of on the edge of those rocks Mm -hmm. that elevation and we're going to dive into this too but elevation where it's still kind of broken cliffy like those kinds of things that's a place you could find that troll bull, but you mm-hmm. also could find, 
um, elk. So it could go either way. Um, you know, generally speaking, the more remote you get is where the troll is going to be or the smaller areas like smaller nooks and crannies, things like that. So I think tip number two is look for those burns, hunt the edges of burns, uh, hunt the broken country where it's like timber and burns, but utilize that burn to be able to see down in it. So get up high where you're looking down in through burns Mm -hmm. and not, you know, not just open spans of complete burn off where just open country. Are you going to be close enough where you could like, are you going to be close enough to where you can shoot into the burn or are you going to be far enough away? We have to save that for the debate. Okay. So we're going to save that one. Um, But yeah, I mean, use them, utilize burns. Elk like them. So use them. Uh, The other next tip, number three, using snow. We talked about this a little bit in the Muley Monday podcast where we were talking about Mm -hmm. seeing tracks. Uh, This is especially applicable when you, can look at the weather and say, man, what date should I go to Montana? I got some, some time to think about this. Like I would love to see, you know, a fresh blanket of snow. Mm-hmm. Um, another way you can utilize snow. Say you have a Colorado season and you're there for a week and on Thursday, it's going to snow an inch. When it snows an inch, I want to be able to see everything. Mm-hmm. I want to be as big as I can, as quickly as I can. Cause I need to pick up those tracks. Like I can see this entire mountain and I can see elk tracks from a long ways away. Mm-hmm. And I can usually tell if they're by themselves. I can tell if it's a herd of elk, things like that. Uh, when I was in Wyoming last year, that was huge. Like I was looking miles and miles away and be like, man, that looks like a, that's a herd of elk. You know, like you can just tell a herd of elk. Yeah. Uh, and I want to see it quickly. Cause like pretty soon that whole mountain gets tracked up and it's kind of indifferent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may not be able to tell where they're going, but it gives me an idea. I'm like, there's a herd of elk over there. Cool. Somewhere. So, so right. if I say I have a Colorado tag or maybe I have a, uh, an Oregon tag and I'm hunting the broken country, the first couple of days I'm looking for that troll bull. And then I'm like, man, it's going to snow on Wednesday. This is the point I want to be at on Wednesday. So I can see as much ground as I can mm-hmm. and see if I can pick up a herd of elk or better yet, you know, for me, it would be like, ideally I'd pick up some solo tracks, uh, going into, you know, a little Canyon or something. Right. And you had a podcast with Todd Orr last year, mm-hmm. who is oh, just like, an example. Oh yeah. man, he's just a track and fool. And he talks about that same thing, using mm-hmm. that snow, not only to pick up where they're at, but then once you get cut them, like just run those freaking tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah, is and one of those tips that Todd had, um, that huge. I picked up from him was, you know, you follow on these tracks and when they start to, you know, bob and weave a little bit, mm-hmm. it's probably, you know, they're going to be looking for a place to, to bed down. So mm-hmm. maybe glass and we're going to dive into that. Uh, actually that's the next tip. Let's just go right into that. So in conjunction with tip number three, which is utilizing snow, uh, is hunting the timber. You know, another, another thing that I think it's overrated or overlooked, I mean, is, uh, we all have guns that can shoot farther than, you know, ever, um, farther than old school cannons. But now we tend to hunt, people tend to hunt the same type of country. They're looking mm-hmm. for places they can shoot 500 yards, 600 yards, because that's like, it, it maximizes their, uh, technology with their gun. Right. But nobody's, <laughs> nobody's jumping in that timber, like old school guys, man, they just jump yeah. in the timber, like Todd or God, he takes his pistol in the timber. And so, you know, I think that's a tip that gets over overlooked and I think can be utilized in the right situation. I'm going to talk about game plans, but I think one of the ways you can utilize that is, you know, say opening morning, I was sitting on uh, the edge of some burn broken country and I'm looking for those remote bulls. I'm not turning anything up. I went out and I looked in the snow, God, these elk are, you know, non-existent. Now I'm going to start hitting the timber. Like mm-hmm. if I, all else fails, I'm going to hit the timber and I'm just, 
going to find timber patches that I think hold or holding those elk because what's going to happen, and this is very relevant later in the season, and this is maybe more on a shorter season like Oregon where it's a week long or something, but those elk will hold up in the in some heavy timber and not leave it. Like mm-hmm. it's not like you can just go out and glass these elk up mm-hmm. and, you know, people who think elk disappeared, no, they just went down and some nasty reprod or nasty timber and they're holed up until mm-hmm. elk season's over. Um, yeah. and, that, and so you got to be not, you can't be afraid to go in the timber and get them. Um, and I think just, you know, getting the wind right and working your way through and kind of still hunting that timber. We talked about this on the Muley podcast and you know, if you have snow, huge bonus, right? Like if you're tracking cool, yeah. but I, I don't think it, it should be overlooked to just, if you can't find elk anywhere else, when all else fails, get in the timber and try to find something. Yeah. We, uh, when Hayden and I, it was right after the Todd Orr podcast published last year, Hayden and I went um, elk hunting together and we, we cut, we found a herd right at first light and they went back into the timber and man, it was, it, it blew my mind how easy it was to follow a herd of elk in the timber. Yeah. Like you can just see their tracks and you can pretty much at a walking pace or even like faster, um, follow those elk. We, we saw them at first light. We followed them for two or three ridges found them again, Hayden's gun froze, which we'll talk about later, and then <laughs> built a fire, cut their tracks, and found them a third time, and he missed. So yeah. it was like, you just, we could stay on them all day long following those tracks, and it's like, yeah. way easier than it than I think we make it seem. No, for sure, and I think this kind of boils down, maybe let's flip this and do the plan first and then the debate, but this boils, like a lot of these things boil into how I design my plan for elk season. Like mm-hmm. to me, it's a moving target. When, during our Mule Deer podcast this week, we talked about uh, kind of our plan and, and like working backwards, right? It's a strategy where you're like, it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. And I think when I look at elk season, um, I look at it very similar, like right out the gate for me, and this should be clarified, I'm looking for a big bull. Right. And, and maybe by the end of the season, like it's just a punch of the tag type moment. Uh, I don't know that I would change anything if I, if I just wanted to punch the tag right out the gate, the only thing I might change is I utilize pressure a little bit more. Uh, for me, I'm going to try to be more remote than utilizing pressure just because I want a bigger bull, but my plan right out the gate, hypothetical here, cause I don't have a rifle tag this year. I would be looking for burns and broken country I'm looking for something that's remote and we'll get into a little bit how far for me, probably depends if I had horses. I mean, usually when I have a rifle tag, I have horses, so it's a little bit deeper, but if I didn't have horses, I would probably be less than five miles. Um, and I'm, again, I think I can utilize where the pressure is to find those remote areas that are one or two. So I'm going to use pressure a little bit differently than I recommended to people. So if I, again, I'm looking for any bull, I'm going to utilize pressure to kill something for me. I'm like, okay, here's where pressure is in the same way where, where the, where's the pressure not like, where are the holes? Where's the nooks? The same thing I do for everything. You know, where can a, where can a bull that lives in the same hole every year get to be that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old? That's what I'm looking for. So where's the hole that hasn't been touched in 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's pretty nasty. Usually it's like, you know, <laughs> thick and timbery and shit like that. Or it's like oh, over a mountain or it's across the river. Maybe it's through the woods. Maybe it's by grandma's house. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> God dang it. You walked right into that one. Uh, uh, and uh, so my plan is basically I'm going to get remote. I'm going to utilize some burns, some broken country. I'm going to stay super mm-hmm. high. Uh, I'm going to try to go higher because I think that's where those 
bulls are going to live that are going to not get shot. Um, and that's kind of my opening day strategy. Uh, I'll probably be a couple of days early scouting, looking for that bull. Uh, if that doesn't work, I still can't pan anything out. Uh, best case scenario, I get some snow and I, I can utilize that strategy or track something down. If mm-hmm. that doesn't work, uh, you know, I'm going to go to glassing, uh, I don't know, man, this is going to be a good debate. So I'm going to go to glassing big country to see if I can just turn up any elk. So mm-hmm. say I'm day three of the season. I, I have not seen an elk yet. I'm like, okay, let's, let's start over here. All my gambles to remote stuff didn't pan out. I need to find the elk. And from there I can work backwards. Mm-hmm. So instead of just keep checking nooks and crannies, which I think I could run out of time with that strategy, I'm going to go, okay, I need to find the damn elk and just see like where they're at. And I'm not looking for the big bull there, but I may like maybe peel off. It gives me an idea of where the where the other elk are going to be in relation to those herds. And if anything, it makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah, if You're anything, like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, there they are. Shit, they do exist. <laughs> um, so, and then that's my strategy. And then if that fails, um, I'm going to go back to timber patches. And this is not that far off from like a bow strategy where you'd like go and just start hitting timber patches if you can't find elk. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go and start working timber that I think is going to hold elk. Um, that for me, that's probably going to happen. Still hunting timber is going to happen later in the season when I'm like, Oh, the, the standards start dropping, you know what yeah. I mean? Like now yeah. it's like, okay, any six point. Yeah. Um, but I would still hunt timber patches. If I was going to hunt timber patches for, for big bulls, I think I would be looking at timber patches to where I could watch from afar and see if I could pick out movement. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking You'd at it cross Canyon, looking across down Canyon, looking down in it. And I'm trying to pick out because yeah. like a lot of those bulls, when we've seen them, bulls will get up and they're in their tent, you know, they'll bed down most of the day, get up an hour before dark and they're kind of in the timber moving and they won't come out of the timber in the daylight. Well, they're a lot of those, for that. I'm thinking about like the Colorado hunters in particular, mm-hmm. a lot of those big Aspen patches you can glass into and stuff yeah. and like. That'd be great, especially when there's yeah. some snow on the ground and you got a white background to work with. Yeah. For me, um, I've never hunted Colorado. I don't know. That's a, a tough recommendation there. But uh, if I was hunting Oregon or Montana, I'm looking for very, very steep timber patches. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about archery, we're talking about, you know, pretty mild slopes that we're looking for these elk on. I'm going back to very, very steep slopes for me. And I'm mm-hmm. looking for those remote, broken, where there's enough kind of feed because a lot of these elk, that's what they're doing. They're trying to recover after the rut. So, you know, I say late October, early November, looking for steep, nasty, um, timber patches that have feed, at least on the same hillside. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm just picking those apart. Um, my last tip, uh, kind of in the plan that we forgot, this is all jacked up, but whatever. (laughs) Last tip is that I would say calls work. I think people, miss this a little bit. I don't know if this is a secret I'm supposed to not give out or not, but, um, man, I don't know how many times late October I've heard bulls bugling or found bulls because they were bugling. Mm -hmm. Um, a good hyper hot, like cow call, like, uh, an easy estrus Phelps makes an awesome easy estrus. And like, that thing is super loud. I don't know if it go around bugling everywhere. Uh, I usually have at least a reed with me. I don't take a tube necessarily. Um, but I'll have that hyper hot. I used that more than anything, like just mm. a couple hot cow calls and a bull pipe off. Huh? Yeah, I know. And I mean, even Corey Jacobson had that, I think his son shot that bull that they mm. called in and like 
It might have been in November even. I know. That's, I mean, that's, it's pretty, like, I, I wouldn't. It's not. You're never going to know. Here's the thing, I think, why yeah. most people don't realize. You never call, so you never get a response. I think if you go out yeah. there and you call sometimes, you know, not you overdoing it. You might get a response. And you might have a situation where Corey, like, Corey didn't go out there knowing that bull. He just happened to have calls with him. So, like, I would always have calls with me. Yeah. Rifle elk hunting. So basically when you're trying to wrap up what this whole plan looks like, it goes, okay, build your plan based around, based around the terrain that you have to work with, based around the weather that you see coming up Mm -hmm. and then realize the fact that you have, let's say you have four tactics, really. Um, You can hunt pinch points, you can glass, you can call and you can hunt timber. Yep. Um, Earl's thicket. Earl's Thicket, man. You can you can basically take those four tactics and then just mix up the order based on where you're going, what what yeah. the weather's doing, and like how also how you like to hunt. I'm gonna say that you can mix up the, those tactics, but I think more it boils down to it's, it's working backwards and trying to figure out where the elk are in the unit that you have. Mm-hmm. So you know, and maybe you, you get to one tactic and you're like you're pulling up elk, which is not the one you want. Keep doing that tactic until you find the one you want. Um, but it's like having all these, all these tools in your, in your toolbox is, is really handy, right? Like, well, push comes to shove. Like, let's start throwing out cow calls and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Why not? And, and another, you know, going back to like stocking in the timber and stuff, say I'm stocking in the timber and I run into some elk and they start like fussing around. You best be sure I'm going to hit a couple of cow calls, see if I can't slow that down mm-hmm. and then get a shot in there. Like before that bull bolts out of there, you know, you might be able to like, slow the confusion down and get a shot. Uh, so another reason, good reason to have the calls. One of the things I'm going to go back to on this whole plan, like these are good strategies is, um, you know, utilizing pressure points, burns, you know, remote timber, stocking timber, still hunting timber and how to use calls and rifle season. Those are all great. The biggest thing that I see when I look at people, people's plan or lack of plan when it comes to rifle hunting is the basic principle of finding elk. I feel like People are, a lot of people are still in that one-on-one mindset of like, let's go wander around in the woods and see if we can find an elk. Uh, you still have to be a tactician when it comes to locating elk in rifle season. Mm-hmm. And I know that it, even really good bow hunters can turn into one-on-one hunters when it comes to rifle because they're just wandering around. They're not, they're not thinking about like working backwards. And I think the number one thing when you think about this is if you can find out, and this is not hard information to figure out, find out where they rut. Find out where they winter. Draw a line between there. For the most part, they'll be in that line, in that migration. Elk, the big bulls are going to go remote, so they might go a little more remote. But for the most part, you have elk that rut, and then they start to work their way towards the, where they're going to winter. Mm-hmm. Now, some do that fast, some do that slow. depends on how far they're going. There's a lot of variables there. But in a nutshell, you're like, okay, here's where the bull, elk live in the summer. Here's where they live in the winter work that line. Like, where are they going? Where's the pinch points where, if you were going to walk that route, which way would you go? You know, where's the, like you add these pieces together and you're like, okay, there should be elk somewhere in here, somewhere in this 50 mile line. Mm-hmm. And that can, you know, move a little bit, but roughly there's elk in that pattern. So let's start systematically breaking that down. Let's go check big opens places. And if we can't find elk, then we're going to start checking little tiny closed places. Like that's, Mm -hmm. it's just a system. So that's kind of like my overarching plan Mm -hmm. when I look at like, where do I even start to, you know, 
pull this apart at. When you're um, looking at each specific area, where the elk are migrating to and from, and trying to factor in how much snow has fallen and what has been happening, mm-hmm. what time of year it is, um, I know that like the the proper answer is to be like, well, it's different in every place. Like some elk will stay until they're pushing it with their chest. Um, some elk will move down faster than others, right? What's your best tip to find out that information for someone who maybe doesn't live in that area? Best tip to find out that information? Yeah, how do you find out, like... Call the damn biologist. Yeah. Talk to old timers. Talk to people who have the tag. Go to the local bar. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of a unit and then not say it, but like think how I would do in that unit. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is talk to the biologist. If you have those kind of questions for the, I mean, you're not asking the guy where to kill an elk at. If you say, Hey, you know, do, where do most of your elk winter at? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's a question he'll answer. Mm-hmm. And then be like, you know, Hey, it seems like the elk would summer up here. Is that pretty accurate? Well, yeah, some summer there, but you know, they'll summer here. Like if you don't like everyone wants to call a biologist and say, Hey, where do I kill a 380 bull? And mm-hmm. he's, first off, he don't know. But second off, he's, you know, he gets tired of that question. But if you like have information, you go to him with and say, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I, you know, if this is what I've kind of discovered, is this accurate? Uh, you can look at most maps and try to figure out where those elk are going to winter. Uh, call, you know, <laughs> I mean, you could call up ranchers or locals or whatever and say, Hey, you know, where's the best place to find wintering elk. Mm-hmm. No one even thinks to not tell you that because they're wintering elk. They're yeah. wintering elk. It doesn't matter. I'm yeah. sure you could actually just dive into a little bit of research and figure out where elk usually winter. Yeah. Um, so, and those kinds of things. But I think the one tip that you made me think of, uh, you know, against like everything's different, elk move at different rates, so this. I, in my experience, it feels like elk will move a lot later than you think. Right. If you think, that oh, it shit, calming. it snowed, the elk are moving. It probably isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe some elk have moved, but most of the big elk haven't. Right. Well, and it comes back to, I was talking to the biologist um, in Wyoming, and I was like, you know, do those elk move down here to this, um, to this private boundary, just like every major mountain range has. And he's like, well, there are elk in there in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the snow hits, there's going to be more elk. He's not going to, he's like, not going to tell you they're all of a sudden going to show up right there at the private boundary. But if there's elk already there and it's where they're going, like you're kind of increasing your odds there. And that was one other strategy that he told me. It was like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get less elk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You put two and two together. You're like, well, okay. I see what you're trying to tell me here. Yeah. Uh, you know, another myth that I think gets tossed around, uh, is that all elk, like people will hunt and say, oh, well, they're already on private or they'll all the elk <laughs> right. on private. Like they didn't all magically overnight hit private. Like mm-hmm. just because you're seeing elk on private, there's 3000 elk in a unit. They're mm-hmm. not all on private. There's still elk in the mountains. Um, and we can get into this in the user, in the listener questions, but I think that's a huge myth. Like go find them. They're somewhere. They're somewhere. The, the problem is they're usually holed up in some, shithole timber badge that they don't want to walk to. Yeah. yeah I don't think let people... you walk 50 yards by them. And yeah. Pop out. I've said this a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I don't think people give elk or deer enough credit to where they hide, you know, mm. like they're hard to find. <laughs> yeah. They're hide and seek champions. Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they're still alive. <laughs> Alrighty. So that kind of takes out my plan. Let's discuss this versus topic. Uh, seeing a lotto 
seeing a lot or seeing a lot versus small nooks and crannies mm-hmm. your opinion you go first this time so uh so you have a rifle oak tag are so, you going to go somewhere that you can see a ton of country which is mm-hmm. was my recommendation mm-hmm. on deer or versus seeing a little so if i have had the chance to scout last year i i scouted the day before rifle elk season i found the elk and then i went to that meadow the next day and we found the elk if that is the case, that is what I would do. I would look small because you've had a chance to find them. Yeah. But once those elk got pressured and vanished and we kept looking small, we kept waiting. Like we would go to a meadow and try to see if there were elk there at first light instead of backing up and taking a look at the bigger picture. Um, looking at the bigger picture would have been the right move. So if you're looking for any elk and you haven't had a chance to scout yet, and it's after the opener, I would look bigger. That seems fair. Mine's a little bit different. All right, let's hear it. So, first off, do you want me to answer this as like, I'm going to shoot an, an elk or the elk? Uh, yeah, let's stick with the an elk theme, 201 theme. <laughs> okay, so if I'm shooting an elk, going into opening day, I want to say the day before opening day, I want to see as much country as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to kind of my mule deer status, like I want to see what the moving pieces are uh to me elk manage pressure by hiding and being in smaller places so the longer the season goes on the less i'm looking at bigger like the the more i'm shrinking down i should say so like okay from day before season as much country as i can down to like smaller and smaller and smaller this is specifically for someone who hasn't had a chance to learn the unit yet so I'm working smaller. Like by the last day of season, I'm literally che- checking like a hundred yard timber patch. I'm like, I should walk through that because there could be a freaking <laughs> elk hiding in it. Yeah, I have yeah. done this actually. I was, uh, I was in, uh, in a unit in Oregon and I'm like hiking through this area and I was, I didn't have a tank. I was just kind of pushing it for other people and, uh, just looking for elk at that point. Um, we couldn't find elk anywhere. So I'm like, okay, I'm going on a hike. I'm going to cover a boatload of ground so I can find elk for my buddies. This is a bunch of old guys. And I go tromping, just covering ground. And I was walking by this timber patch and I had seen tracks. Like I seen, I think it was two bull tracks. I saw on the, on this road crossing. And I'm like, man, where did those elk go? And there's like mm-hmm. this little tiny timber patch down in the bottom. I mean, you wouldn't think you could hide more than about three elk in it. And I'm not exaggerating. Like I was like, for whatever reason, got a wild hair. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to go walk through that little timber patch. Go creeping through there. And sure enough, bloop, out pops two elk. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, and I've done that more than once. Like I'll be, um, I had a, I had a kid with me one time we were hunting and uh, I'm like that little timber patch, like yeah. I'm going to go slip through it. And I just detoured off my regular trail, went, started creeping in this timber patch. And sure enough, I pick up an eye guard and like the top of, you could see the hair at the top of brow mm-hmm. and like trying to relay that to the guy behind you next to impossible. <laughs> Never killed an elk. And I'm like, okay. Do you see that goofy, like, like, oh, there's no way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like 60 yards away. And like, this bulls can see me because I can see the brow tine pointed at me. I can't even see his eye. I can't see anything. I can just see a brow tine and like the bottom or the top of his, uh, his head. pedicle yeah. uh, where the hair is. And I think that's all I can see. And okay. I'm like, that is a bull elk. <laughs> 
I don't know how to relay this to the guy behind me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shoot it there. Um, in five seconds, he's going to bolt. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is going to go terribly wrong yeah. in three, two. Yeah. <laughs> no. So like, I, I think that's my strategy. I go, I go from a lot to a little. Yeah. Um, I start looking now if I'm big bull hunting, I'm probably, if, if weather doesn't change, nothing changes. I'm going to small nooks to small nooks. Like I'm, yeah. that's mainly what I'm looking at. The only variation of that would be if I hadn't seen anything in three or four days and all of a sudden it snows and then I'm like, I want to go check here. Yeah. Like, like, let's just, let's just get any, I'll get this point. Mm -hmm. So that would be the only variable. Yeah. So pretty much like to boil that down to a sentence, if you want to kill any elk, start big, find where they are and then go kill one. If you want to kill a big bull, start small and turn them up. Like just grind them out. Yeah. Just grind it out. Um, yeah. That's... There's no real easy way to kill a big bull. No. I think the advice I have for killing big bulls is um, once season, once the shots are fired, you have to be more patient than you were before. Yeah. Yeah. Bulls like to feed a lot preseason. And this is why when it comes to rifle hunting, the last rifle tag I had, let's say the rat, last rifle tag I had in Oregon, because I think I've had them in Montana since then. Mm -hmm. uh, but last rifle tag I had... I hunted, I scouted a week and hunted a day. I, it was done a half hour in a season, right. but that is my ideal situation for a one week season. Now, Montana may be different. Yeah, Cause you got five. If I had a Montana tag right now though, honestly, I'd probably be out there right now looking. Yeah. And that way opening day, like this is going to happen because once shots are fired, everything changes. Yeah. Montana's a touch different just because it's a five week season. Like it's pretty drawn out, mm -hmm. you know, elk can't hide in a, 12 by 12 timber patch for five weeks. Right. Um, so, you know, the whole like just hiding until hunting season's over is, is a little bit out, but you know, that's kind of how I would go about it and how I have in the past. That makes sense. Yeah. But like once, man, once shots are fired, sometimes those bulls can just hold up forever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into some listener questions here. Um, I know. So this podcast in particular has been asked for since we came out with the 201 archery series. I know we need like the 201 and rifle elk, huh? We need the 201. Yeah. But hopefully this kind of like gets the conversation going and we can formulate some thoughts of like how to put that in a structure that makes sense for everybody. Yeah. With that said, we do have some sweet, um, some sweet questions, um, both from people emailing us from folks on the, uh, Patreon comments. Um, Taylor actually just hit us up like 10 minutes before we started recording, <laughs> which is awesome. So, um, let's dive into some of those. Uh, so Taylor's question, you want to read it off? I have a note on the board, but I don't have the full question. Um, would you hunt a post rut bull above their rutting grounds? More like a mule. Uh, yeah. More like a mule deer. More like a mule deer. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's kind of, I was, I was thinking he was mentioning post rut mule deer. Uh, yes. If I'm looking for a big bull, obviously, you know, you got to look for where did they go? Like, this is where he was in September. Where did he move to? And it kind of mm -hmm. goes back to the whole rut to uh, private ground, or I guess wintering ground, um, more commonly on private. Uh, but if a bull is going to go, or if elk are going to go from where they were rutting to their where they winter, a big bull is going to peel off a little bit early. The bigger the bull seems to, big bulls tend to peel off a little bit before. And then like you get these like five-year-old six points that come in. They're kind of still, you know, trying to run the herd for, you know, October. But usually the big bulls peel off. 
uh, and they're just going to go find a hole to, to live in and, and rest, recuperate and eat. Some of those bulls go up. Um, it depends on the area, man. Uh, it's I feel so like hard. that's like a common, um, maybe in drier, drier climates. Yeah. Like in Arizona yeah. or something, those bulls would go back up the mountain and yeah, and hide in for a sure. nasty hole. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think even, you know, I was trying to use Montana bulls, like that's so, such a variant, but yeah, some of those bulls mm-hmm. are going to hide. I wouldn't look, I wouldn't not look high. You mm-hmm. know, I think high is a good spot. I don't think a lot of people go there. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I would say post rut bulls will do that. Now, post rut herds of elk, probably not going to go not. back up. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, if there's not that much snow in the high country, don't go to Timberline. Like, yeah. no, don't do that. But yeah, you know, just, you're going to have to play this one by the, yeah. the unit specific. Yeah. It's kind of tough to answer, but well, yeah. and then like Northeast Oregon elk where everything's down, down into canyons, they're dropping into those big, big canyons. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit different. So and they're not on the tops, but yeah. yeah. So tough. one of the questions that I, we got was, you know, where do elk go? <laughs> and like, this is like, this is like, like they vanish. Uh, yeah. And I, I totally get it, man. It just feel like elk disappear. And I think this goes back to, we kind of answered already. I think most of them are just hold up in timber. If you can't find any elk and you know, there's elk in this unit and for whatever, you're fairly confident in some capacity that they're not on private. Uh, I would say they're in timber patches. They're hold up, you know, they don't have to go out in the open. Right. Elk kind of stop feeding on grass in September. Uh, just doesn't have the nutrients, even August in some places. So they're not feeding and you know, the grass doesn't have any nutrients right now. Right. So they're eating, you know, shrubs and brush and bark. So they can live in straight timber patches. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And I like that whole thing where you're like, well, it's so common. People are like, well, they're all on private. Well, then you should probably count those elk and then count how many elk are like supposed to be in the unit. Like, I think it's the default easy answer, man. Like it's like, oh, well, they all got to private. Yeah. You know. It's kind of like with deer, like, oh, the winter killed them all. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like, Which no, is, I mean, here. I'm not saying it's not the case. I'm just saying like. I'm not saying it's not a factor. Don't put it, don't use it as your default excuse. No. Because then you just get discouraged. Yeah. Um. So how deep do you plan on hunting? I know you briefly t- touched on it um, earlier. Did, yeah. How how deep do you plan on hunting in this rifle elk season? Like what kind of a radius? I don't have a rifle elk tag, but hypothetically, no, we did touch on this a little bit, but one of the questions was how deep to go. And I actually wanted to answer this because I do feel like there's a big difference between September and November hunting. You can't cover as much ground. And I think so many people try to go eight, nine miles deep, uh, solo rifle hunting, man, like it's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night we were telling a story about butch and helping me pack out an elk. That bull was not that deep, like less than three miles. Mm-hmm. That bull was a nightmare to pack out, uh, you know, snow over my knees, like just brutal and cold and miserable, mm-hmm. not fun. Uh, so I just want to say like caution. I don't want to tell anybody how far to go or how far not to go, but I would have serious reservation if you're by yourself and you're over like four miles. The Uh, only caveat to that is at least you don't have to worry about meat spoiling. 
yeah, there's that. <laughs> so <laughs> hypothermia, meat spoiling, you know, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that whole but that butch scenario is a, a prime example. Like, it's hard enough in archery season getting an elk out on your back, but when you add in the fact that like he couldn't get his his oh, side yeah. by side or whatever, yeah, four wheeler that... got stuck and drifts. Like we couldn't get that closer, so we had to hike it farther. Yeah, you can't walk. I mean, just go walk in two feet of snow. I dare yeah. you. Yeah, let it alone sucks. putting eighty pounds of meat on your yeah. back or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So like, yeah, I would just take into consideration. Know how deep you can go. Uh, know your limitations. Don't be a hero. Don't try to go ten miles back mm-hmm. in a winter season. Because the other thing that happens is like, guess what? It can snow overnight, dude. A lot, and that happens. But that's like. Like my, one of the first elk hunting stories I can remember is my grandpa talking about taking horses back into the uh, Eagle caps. They went up and over a pass, it snowed, and then they were stuck back there because they couldn't get the horses over the pass after you get two feet, three feet. So, yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, mean, we've had it in Oregon quite a bit, you know, dudes kill bulls too far in and it was not, not even snowy and they're yeah, like yeah. uh you know uh, and then no. they're begging us to do it with horses yeah. you know like we're trying to hunt our own elk and it sucks because you don't want to be an asshole but at the same time like if i just went back there to pack everybody's elk out i wouldn't get any hunting done yeah so like don't do that don't go eight miles unless you've done it before uh pack a deer out eight miles don't pack elk out eight miles that's right Early versus late. This is a question. I should have wrote down the entire questions, but I think it was a, a question in regards. Oh, I remember it was. Uh, don't remember who. We forgot to write the names down this time. Anyway, Sorry. whoever asked this question, appreciate it. But uh, it was talking about early in the season versus late in the season. And I think they were kind of talking about, uh, say, a Montana uh, type situation where it's like, do you hunt early or do you hunt late? Mm-hmm. This is a good question. I think this actually could have been a full debate. Uh, my personal opinion. If I had to travel, man, this is like, this is tough. I don't know if I could decide on this. Opening day, I would hunt every time. If you scout, could scout before, before season yep. and yeah. hunt opening day. I would rather have, I would rather have that than, you know, a week of season. I'd rather have that one day and three days of scouting mm-hmm. than a week in the middle of season. Having said that, that's, you know, that, that week's not great. Like if you don't have something no. turned up, it's not a great week to be hunting. No. Uh, you know, and uh, so a lot of people will talk about hunting like, you know, just after a storm, trying to get stuff to push down, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, elk coming into better, better country or migrating more essentially. Uh, Mon, that's a real thing. I mean, a lot of those elk don't come out of the mountains until, you know, till late, till late. So like this guy uh, who emailed us, um, Is that I'm, just using, I'm just, uh, no, he didn't ask the question oh. in particular, but um, he's got a tag November 6th to 20th uh, in Nevada. Um, I don't know this Nevada unit specifically, but I would imagine he should probably hunt it later. Um, just for, just yeah. to get him out of that. Well, it's a, well, okay. I do. I knew, I it's know the unit a little bit, but it would, it's one of those where you've got a high wilderness area where the elk could be pushed down. That's a tough call. I don't know that area super well. Um, but but the other thing is like, is the later you wait into the season, the harder it is to get around like in your pickup, let alone on your feet, you know, I, I would probably hunt that opening week. Yeah. Having said that, if if you have a limited entry tag, 
call someone who had the tag. Like most of the time, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. if yeah. it's a Nevada yeah. tag, I don't know how, how hard it is to draw that tag. I don't know what tag it is, but if it's a Nevada tag, I'm like, call everyone who's ever had that tag. Call Hunting Fool. Like I mm-hmm. would become a member to Hunting Fool just so I could call people and be like, what you know, brother? Because guess yep. what? That insider information is going to be crucial. They're like, oh man, you need to go here. Like we hunted all over the mountain, didn't find a damn elk. And you know, the last week of season, they all showed up. Like that's wild information. That goes back to like, get information, get as much Intel as you can. And I think limited entry tags are, are one of those. Now, if you have a general season rifle tag in Montana, yeah, you ain't getting any information. Good luck with that one. Um, but early versus late, I tend to like opening day or later. Best case scenario, I hunt it opening day, and then I'm going to be a storm chaser. Yeah, storm watch. I'm on storm watch. And like uh-huh. if, I, if I had that ability, I would be there first and after a storm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like like real heavy 12-hour storms because I can be there right before it, wait it out, and then uh, be there right after. Yeah, right when it breaks. Right when it breaks, I'm out there. Uh, So that's, you know, perfect case scenario, I would say, opening day and then be a storm chaser. But yeah, I like that. Um, Okay. Do we have any others here? Oh, somebody was wondering some tips for staying warm. Oh, tips for staying warm? Fires, man. Like I am, like I build tons of fires during rifle elk season. Yeah. Because I, okay. Number one tip is build a bonfire or... Keep moving. Uh, Most of the time, I'm going to go back to my my strategy. If I'm hunting opening day, I am probably building a fire. When the last elk tag I had, when we were scouting, I was hiking my butt off. But if I found a spot I wanted to glass, like you kind of have to be patient with those elk. So if I can see, you know, a good nasty little hole and I'm far enough away, I'm going to build a fire and hang out. Like, mm-hmm. man, I build a ton of fires during rifle elk season. Yeah. I like what you said there. Like when you're sitting back, especially when we're talking about trying to see a lot, you know, if you're a mile back from where these elk might be popping yeah. out, like the fire's not going to hurt anybody. I, I've had it's zero. Gonna make you super warm. And I don't know. I would love to hear if anybody's got an argument against this. I have zero anything about building a fire. I have never, I've been like a hundred yards from elk that walked out looked at the fire, never even batted an eye. Right. And just kept feeding and never smelled me. Uh, so I yeah. don't know. I've had great luck with fires. Never once had a elk spook. Never once. Like I wouldn't do it if I'm like, I'm, I'm working my way up a canyon. I'm like, Oh my God, there's, there's the giant. Like this is the biggest bull of my life. And he's 400 <laughs> yards away and he's in a timber patch. Don't know if I go snapping sticks and breaking fire or breaking in a fire yeah. on the side of a mountain, but you know, I may slip back. And be a thousand yards away yep. and crack up a fire. And I don't think it would bug him at all. Yeah. Um, so if you're not building a fire, uh, like last year when it was negative five degrees on the opener and we were waiting for it to get light, we're like sitting at our glasses uh, spot. We're like, oh man, this is, this is freeze ass cold. We would do just push ups and, and air squats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just do a mountain tough workout. Just do a mountain tough <laughs> workout right there inside of the uh, Another tip pack a sleeping bag. Um, I know that's like just throw it in your bag. Throw a sleeping bag in, man. And if it's well, like especially gonna if you're getting cold. Yeah, I was just say especially if you're in the in a situation where you're going trying to go a little deeper. In particular, mm-hmm. like don't get yourself stuck in a situation where you're gonna. I also don't think it's a bad idea just to have a sleeping bag with yeah. you. Uh, I have done well. <laughs> so I used to. <laughs> I was gonna say I didn't pack two sleeping bags. I actually needed two sleeping bags because I was broke and only like only had two. Sh- 
not so great sleeping bag. So I'd use them both, but mm-hmm. then I'd throw like a lightweight sleeping bag in my pack, half safety, half like I might yeah. get cold need this. Um, but yeah, I'll build a fire or I'll get my sleeping bag out. If I was like, really like in that situation where yep. I was like, Oh, well, I got to wait till daylight. Yeah. The other thing is I think, um, another argument for fires I bet I glass longer with a fire than without and yeah. I glass better. Yeah. It's that whole thing. Like if you can, it's that whole like gear making you better. Like mm-hmm. if you've got really good gear or if you're making yourself comfortable with a fire and you're able to stay out longer, do that. Yeah. yeah. No, I just think you're in a glass and in the right situation, you can glass, you know, a long time with a good fire. <laughs> and I love yeah. fires. Little pyro. Yeah, who uh, doesn't? Yeah. So I think we covered all the listener questions. Is there anyone? There was like elevations. Uh, what elevation on the mountain? That's too dependent. I don't know if I could really answer that question. So and we kind of covered that. We, yeah, we did you know, a little bit. Ask around, man. Yeah, it's uh, unit dependent. So, uh, yeah. Uh, number one tip. What's your number one tip, Jaden? Like just number one like, tip. Like scout tip. Scout. Number one skip tip is to scout before season, so that opener you can kill your elk. I like that one. I'll stick with that one. Mine is lots of snacks and fire starter. Good fire starter. None of this like twigs and rub them together. Don't build fires like Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> no TPs like trying to freaking. So insider information. We were antelope hunting in Wyoming <laughs> and it was Jaden's turn to build a fire in the morning. And I don't know how long he was trying to build a damn fire. It was like 15 minutes. Little, <laughs> like, what do you do? Nobody wants to get out of a sleeping bag because it's zero degrees. Like, Jaden, why is the fire not going yet? And we get over there and he's got like like 14 <laughs> toothpicks stacked above like one sheet of toilet paper. Like, and a little to, teepee inside the yeah. little. <laughs> it was like, not smart. what is this? I don't know. <laughs> I was tired. I was just trying to. Just trying to be clever. Uh, so don't be Jaden. Build uh, good fire. Build good fires. Alrighty. Uh, good luck, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this format of the podcast. Let us know what you think. If you got questions, uh, not sure what our next one is. Uh, we got a couple more Muley Monday guests and Wapiti Wednesday guests coming up. But maybe after that, if you guys have a bunch of recommendations, we can tap into that. Maybe we can do like late season deer. Oh, dang. Uh, something like that. I don't know. That Whatever. sounds good. I know that like Arizona's got some late stuff going on, both deer and elk. You're just trying to go to Arizona. Mexico. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All righty, guys. Good luck out there. Peace. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource, and it's going to make you a better hunter. I guarantee that, or we'll refund your money. Uh, If you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.